When I was 14 years old, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I was living in Alabama. I grew up in Alabama. I know you can't tell by my accent. I don't sound like I lived in Alabama at all. But when I was a little boy, growing up in Alabama, I went to two different churches. One was in Priceville, Alabama, and then one was in Coleman. And when I was in Priceville, I was really young. It wasn't until I was in Coleman, where we joined a church that just got started. It was in the Civic Center. I'm a teenager, right? I'm 14. I'm thinking to myself, why are we here? We would meet in the smallest areas just to have class for our teen department, and then we'd go to this bigger area, and we'd kind of like we're doing here in the library. And I'm thinking, man, God, why are we here? What are we doing? I want to be a part of a bigger church. I want to be part of something bigger, a bigger youth group. I had no idea what God had in store for me in Coleman, Alabama. It was Temple Baptist Church. Dalton Robertson was the founding pastor of that church. Zealous, energetic, intelligent man. He's an incredible author, speaker. Today he's doing so well. But that man made an influence in my life that I'll never forget. Because I just gave my life to Jesus Christ. I felt like God was calling me to preach. I didn't really understand all that. I just knew I had a desire and a passion to preach, right? And so Dalton Robertson would take time to sit down with me, help me understand what it means to preach expositorily. He'd help me read through scripture and understand what it means to look at the Greek and the Hebrew. You know, I didn't totally understand that, but I understood the necessity of translating or interpreting scripture properly. Man, he just took a lot of time. You know what that's called? It's not just mentorship. It's called discipleship. Yeah. I didn't even know that at that time. I didn't even realize what was happening. But it didn't just end with Dalton Robertson. Dalton had a huge influence in my life, not just because he was the pastor, because he was a mentor, because he was a discipler, right? That church went from 25, and now that church runs 2,500. And God is just blessing. It's just booming. It's amazing. But it didn't stop with Dalton. It was also my English teacher. Can you believe that? We have English teachers in Alabama. Yes. You can tell I learned a lot. Mrs. Spears, Joanne Spears, incredible influence in my life. Small school, indicator, and she would take time to help me learn what it was to put together an outline because I didn't understand. So she'd sit down after class and she said, Dave, this is how you put an outline together. And if I do something wrong, she'd, like I'm five years old, she'd be like, Dave, you don't do that to put it here and do this. And, and she was just wonderful. And at times she drove me crazy. I didn't realize that Mrs. Joanne Spears was mentoring me and discipling me. See, her husband was a pastor of a small church, and he gave me an opportunity as a young man to preach at his church. That's mentorship, discipleship. Take me out. I had no money. <laughs> I didn't get a job until I was like 15, and I worked at Foodland. Barely made any money. But they'd pay for my food. That was part of this mentorship, encouraging me and helping me take my next steps. You all with me? It was an English teacher and a pastor of a little church with 25 people. It changed my life. I'll never forget it because that is discipleship. Now watch this. I believe, and let me just finish this series today because you are ready. Are you ready to go out and make disciples? No. Are you ready to make a difference? No, that's not what it is. Are you ready? It's time to share your faith. We talked about last week, your story, and the week before, your mission. Today, it's all about your disciple. You have a disciple. You say, I've never met my disciple. Maybe not. 
But I believe somebody out there is waiting for you to influence their life. More than a, more than a mentor, a disciple maker. That's what you're called to be. Now, let me clarify. It doesn't mean that you have to disciple somebody that is an individual that's not a part of your family. If you're a grandmother, you could be a disciple maker. It could be your grandchild. If you're a father, you could be a disciple maker. It could be your son or your daughter. Y'all following me? Yes, sir. Discipleship. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're a disciple. Mm. This is a big misunderstanding in the church. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're a disciple. A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ that's 100% committed to whatever God has called him to do. A disciple loves Jesus to an extent, now this sounds strange, to the extent that their love is so real, so pure, so unbelievable, crazy love, that all other love almost looks like hate. Jesus actually says it this way. He says to a crowd that was gathered, if you love me or you want to follow me or you want to be a disciple of me, he clarifies it by saying any man that's going to come after me has got to hate his father, hate his mother, hate his wife, hate his children, his brother, and his sister, even his own life. You think, what kind of crazy talk is this? It's crazy love. He's not saying literally to hate yourself. That's contrary to Scripture. He would be contradicting himself. What he's saying is your love for me needs to be so amazing that it looks like your love for everything else is hate. Not that you should hate other people, or even yourself. And when you can get to that point, that is when you become a true disciple of Jesus Christ. See, discipleship starts by being a disciple. If you're not a disciple, then you can't make a disciple. It's as simple as that. Disciples make disciples, just like soldiers make soldiers, teachers make teachers, boxers make boxers. Y'all follow me? Miyagi trained Daniel's son. But Miyagi had a no martial arts to train Daniel's son. Y'all with me? Can I get a witness? Amen. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that in order for you to make a disciple, you must be a disciple yourself. It's replicating yourself. It, it's, it's reproducing. It is duplicating the knowledge that you've been given so you can influence and help somebody else follow the Lord Jesus Christ and be a follower like Paul. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. In other words, it's not about me as an individual. It's about me following Jesus and making a pattern for you to follow after. Because I'm a disciple. Disciples make disciples. The question is, this afternoon, are y'all, are you, as an individual, a disciple are you a committed follower of Jesus Christ? Only you can answer that question. Often Christians are fans and not followers. There's a distinct difference between a fan and a follower. They like the, you see, a fan likes the idea of following Jesus, but they're not following Jesus. Jesus had this take place over and over again throughout Scripture. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, we see this. And he confronts the multitude of people. He's confronting the followers. And he's confronting the fans. And he says it this way. He said, listen, basically there's two choices that have to be made if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Desire and denial. This is what the Bible says. If any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Matthew 16, 24. Desire and denial. If you desire to follow me and not just be a fan, then there has to be denial. What is the denial? That means making a decision. It's not about you. It's all about him. 
consumed with the idea that Jesus is priority in your life. And it, that just goes, it goes much further than that. Jesus clarifies how far it goes. And he, as he continues to speak into the life of these people in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, if any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now watch this. Self-denial is a sacrifice. Becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ is a sacrifice. It's defined as taking up your cross. A cross always represented death. And for him to say to the people, you need to take up your cross, they understood that the cross represented sacrifice and death. Death to what? Physical death? No, death to self and self-desire. That is a disciple. Consumed with the idea that Jesus is priority. So, are you a fan or are you a follower? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. As a disciple of Jesus, we are commanded to duplicate ourselves. So I'm going to focus on those in here that are disciples. Now, if you're like, oh, I'm kind of on the fence, I'm not all the way in, maybe through this you'll walk away going, okay, I'm ready to get serious about Jesus Christ and become a disciple so I can make a disciple, all right? But it starts with the disciples, as a disciple of Jesus, you're commanded to du duplicate yourself and make more disciples. And there's a pattern, there's a process to that. And for, in order for you to, to take your disciple eat and become a disciple, you're going to take some steps today. And I'm going to make those steps so easy that you walk away and go, I can remember that. These steps that we find in Scripture are illustrated in different portions of Scripture. The steps of making a disciple. You can look at the life of Jesus Christ and how he made the first disciples, followers of Jesus. You can look at Paul and you can look even at the 12 disciples and how they made disciples. And you can study what they did. But what I want to do is this. I want to focus primarily on Paul's writings on this subject of discipleship. And Paul taught Timothy how to be a disciple by giving him a clear pattern to follow. When I say the word pattern, do people understand? Y'all understand what I'm saying right here? Would you raise your hand? Just entertainment. Would you just put it up there? All right, great. Pattern. When I was a little boy, as of like six months ago, my mom just retired. She's no longer a seamstress. She'll do it on the side. All my life, sewing machines and thread and patterns and patterns and patterns everywhere. Drove me crazy. When I was a little boy, we'd have to go to the fabric store. I hated the fabric store. I'd rather take a knife and jab out my eyeball than go in a fabric store. Back then, they had these big books, these huge books. And there was nothing else to do as a little boy except flip through the stupid book. And their book was filled with all these different garments that women would make. Their patterns, and then you look for the code and then get the pattern. It's a little packet, and inside the packet's a template that you take out. You lay on the fabric, you pin it, you cut it out, you sew it together, and boom, and something wonderful comes out, right? So that's the idea, right? Maybe. Maybe you later say like, oh, you, got, you have missed it. Look, my mom was a seamstress. I know what I'm talking about. So the pattern, what's the point of a pattern? The pattern is the template to create something. But it starts with the pattern. As a seamstress, my mom would sometimes find out there was no pattern for what she wanted to make. This happened to me a couple of times. She's like, I'd like to remake that. That jacket, I'm going to remake that. She'd go take that off. I'm like, why? And then she'd, I'd, I'd take it off, and she'd take that jacket apart. My mom would literally take the whole thing apart because she didn't have a, a pattern, and then she'd lay it out and use it as a pattern. 
cut out and make something just like it. Now it's not exact, but it was very close because she had to start with a master pattern. Now watch, Jesus is the master pattern. We are duplicating what Jesus has given us in creating more disciples. That's discipleship. Y'all following me? He's given a pattern to go by. <clears throat> My wife, let's turn those lights up, sister. Disciple. Discipleship is having a pattern to follow. Sometimes with our lights, you just touch it a little bit and it's like, it's like oh man, lights just went out. I want to give you a pattern to follow. Now, it's three parts to this pattern. Most patterns have multiple parts, right? There's three parts to this pattern. So there are some key factors when it comes to discipleship and making a disciple. Each of them are found, I believe, when it comes to Paul's writing in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to look at this pattern that Paul gives to a young man by the name of Timothy. It's the apprentice of, of, his, of the faith. It's somebody that he's investing in. Kind of like Miss Spears invested in me as a 14-year-old boy. And Dalton Robertson invested in me. So this man is investing in this boy. And his name is Timothy. And so let's, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. He says to Timothy, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Let me read that again. But be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. There's six things right there. Verse 13. Till I come, until we meet again, until I'm face to face with you, he says, give attention to reading, exhortation, to doctrine. Three things there. Verse 15. He says, meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them. That means consume yourself with them. Dig deep. That... Thy profiting may appear to all. In other words, that you can be an example to others through what you've learned and you indulged in and you've studied. And then verse 16, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. That means the teachings, the, the word of God, and, and, and continue in them. Don't stop, don't veer from it, stay focused. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So it's not just about you, what you're doing. So you're investing, what I'm investing in you, you're going to invest in somebody else. So here's the first part of the pattern. Y'all ready to cut some things out? Sure. Did you know that Paul was a tent maker? Yes, Paul was not just a missionary, he was not just a preacher, he was a tent maker. That's how he made money on the side and before he was fully invested in, in his missionary work, he spent more time doing this. He understood what it meant to have a pattern. Pattern to follow, and we're going to reference that in just a minute. But here's the first part of the pattern. It's leading. Second part is learning. Third part is living. Discipleship comes by leading, learning, and simply put, living. Now let's put it together. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth. Timothy, listen to me. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer. You lead by example. If you have a disciple and you're investing in that disciple, it is a necessity to understand the first part of the pattern to making that person a disciple. You have to be an example to that person so one day they can be an example to another person. They can replicate you. Now watch. Paul couldn't tell Timothy to be an example if he wasn't living as an example himself. You've heard it before. Practice what you preach. Don't tell people what they need to be unless you are what you need to be, right? right? Your lifestyle should be your greatest example to your disciple. 
and how to be a disciple. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9 says, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Who's speaking? This is Paul writing to the church. He said, listen, church. He's investing in Timothy. This is a side note. Y'all with me? He said, listen, church. Everything that you have heard, Learned of me, received of me, heard of me, seen in me, do those things. He has the authority to say that because he's living out the lifestyle of a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. And he said, if you do it, the peace of God shall be with you. The Apostle Paul, many times, over and over again in Scripture, urged his readers to follow his example and live in the Christian life. I mean, it was just every time you look at his writings, he's urging the people like he did in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17. He said, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk as so as ye have us as an example. He said, listen, you got us an example. You can follow our lead and trust that what we're saying is reliable and trustworthy. It's just somebody trying to steal a book. All right. Y'all just calm down. It's not the fire alarm. Yeah. It was, it was in no way for this man to say that I am something special. That's not Paul. That's not even the way Paul is. Our initial reaction would be to think this exhortation that Paul's given to the church is arrogant. But let me remind you who Paul is and who we should be. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 9, it says, he says, I'm the least. To church of Corinth, he says, I'm the least of the apostles. I mean, like, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole, people. He even says to the church of Ephesus, he says, I'm the least of all the saints. This is a humble individual. He even goes as far in 2 Timothy, excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, he tells Timothy, he says, listen, I'm the chief of all sinners. He's telling his disciple, I'm doing the very best I can, but I ain't got it all together. I will be an example to you, and I'm going to give you a pattern to follow and, the, and you can lead as I'm leading you because I'm following Jesus Christ. But I don't have it all together. I'm not telling you that you have to have your life all together to be an example to your children. God knows that ain't going to happen. Or to your grandchildren. Or to the one that you're discipling. I am saying this though. You better give them something worth looking at and worth following. Because if you are not the appropriate pattern for them, then you're not the example that they should have in their life. I do not want to live a lifestyle on Sunday that's different than my lifestyle on Monday. Yeah. My language with you here should be the same language I have out there. Y'all follow me? Yes, sir. I've been around those kind of guys that they can act one way and then they're a different way on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Now focus now. If you're going to be an example, you have to live an example. That lifestyle, and we'll look at this as the last point too, but there needs some clarity in your life as an example that you are a real, genuine example of Jesus Christ. Now, we know that Jesus is the prime example. Let your light so shine before men, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. How do we have that light? Well, we have Jesus Christ in our life. We've been saved. We're born again. And now we're following his example. And, and I know that Jesus, according to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, he calls us out to be an example and to be a follower of him. He's the prime example according to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. It's not about us. It's not about our ideas, our thoughts. It's about what he has put in place for us to follow. It's the pattern in which we follow. Now, here's what Paul says to Timothy. He said, there's some things that you need to be an example in. Now, if y'all are with me still... I'm going to give you these things. And I'm not going to preach on each one of them. I'm just going to give them to you. 
Okay? Because there's six of them. He said, be thou an example of the believer in word, conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Now watch this. Word. That's speech. How you talk. How you communicate with others. How your mouth is presenting Jesus. Y'all follow me? He said, listen, Timothy, if you're going to be an example, if you're going to lead by example, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you better watch your mouth. You better be very careful because people are watching you. Y'all follow me? It's amazing how little ones can pick up what you say. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Now listen, they'll repeat everything that's being said in the house. You know why? Because you're the example. They're following your lead, your speech. Now watch this. Conversation doesn't mean conversation as in speech. It means conduct. It's translated your conduct. How are you acting? How do you interact with others? What's your actions and reactions? A disciple of Jesus Christ keeps in check his life, his speech, and his conduct. He is an example to others in the way he speaks to people and he reacts to people. A great test is just going to a fast food restaurant. And you're in line and things are just not going well for you. And you're thinking to yourself, we should be moving. And you're saying everything you want to say to the lady in the window, but you ain't got to the lady in the window. So you're thinking, man, this burger is important to me. I need this to be moving. You're upset. You're frustrated. And it's amazing how the little things can cause us to lose our testimony so quickly. Our speech goes south and our conduct does too. We don't present ourselves like Jesus Christ. Man, when I start putting myself in check, by myself, I, I, I find myself yelling at myself for what I'm doing. I'll be driving on the road and I'm negative and I'm like, what are you, why? Positive, Dave, positive. Come on, have a good spirit. Somebody pulls out, I'm like, come on, it's okay, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. My dog, every time he gets out of his crate, all he does is cry and whine. Who cares? Hank, he's like a dinosaur living in a house because it's a great day. I love him anyway. That's only lasted like two days and then I want to just, just want to kill him. Let's edit that. The reality is, it is hard to have the correct speech and conduct. You know why? Because it all goes to number three, charity, which means love. Man, loving people. I like people. Sometimes. I have to love them, but I don't always have to like them. And sometimes I struggle with that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You're not requested, you're required to love people. And it's an example to others. Let me tell you something. We got to learn to get over ourselves. You're like, I have enough burdens of my own. I don't want to hear about all your troubles and problems. Well, bear you one another's burdens. You need to open yourself up to speak into people's lives and allow them to speak into your life. You've got to help people. That's love. Paul said, if we ain't got love, everything's in vain. He said, well, I, preach this. I speak the truth. If you don't speak it in love, it's in vain. You're wasting, you're wasting your time. Then he goes, the spirit. Now, this is interesting. Other versions don't translate this. They leave out the word spirit. That's alarming to me. Almost every version leaves out the word spirit. Why is it alarming to me? Because being an example in spirit is a necessity. What does it mean? It means this. The spirit is your spiritual walk. It's the fruit of the spirit. It's the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. It's a necessity to illustrate that to other people. Now watch. If you're not walking in the spirit, the Bible makes it clear you're going to be walking in the flesh. Are you all with me? So why would we leave that out as an example? 
If we're going to lead by example, we need to make sure our speech, our conduct, our love, and our spiritual walk points to Jesus Christ. That is being a disciple. So this is a very easy piece of the pattern. If you're not a disciple, you need to be evaluating yourself right, right now. Like, where are, the, where are you with these areas? And then you got faith. I love this. That's trust in God. Like, the world don't know what to put their trust in if they don't know Jesus Christ. They're just lost. They're just trying to figure it out. I mean, did you guys see what in the news about Russia? What's going on with China? I mean, we are just stressed people. I mean, there's just so much chaos in the world. What can we trust? What can we believe in? People need to have something worth believing in. And trusting in Jesus, he's the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, he's something worth trusting in because he's the truth and being an example of that. And I love this because it's purity. Purity is morality. Listen to this. This is not just any man that Paul's speaking into. He's speaking in the life of a young man. Yeah. Let no man despise thy youth. What a st You think that young men at that time didn't have challenges with their purity? They had challenges, especially if they were in Rome. There were some messed up things going on when it came to morality. So this young man was challenged to be an example to others, not just, not just with his speech and his conduct and his love and his spiritual walk and his trust in God, but the way he morally lives. If you are not an example in these areas, then people will discard who you are. That is what it means to despise. Let no man despise thy youth. Let no man discard who you are. In other words, if you're not practicing these six things and being an example in these six things, people would discard your credibility and your authority in Jesus Christ. In other words, don't try to disciple me when you're lacking in these areas right here. You want to duplicate yourself and you're missing half of these? Ain't going to happen. They're going to discard your investment in them because you're not being the example you need to be. Let's go back to Paul being a tent maker. He said to rightly divide the word. That's in reference to the pattern of God's word. It's to be very specific. It's to be very clear. It's to be very direct. And you have to use God's word appropriately. Yeah. Now watch. This brings me to the second part of the pattern. This is discipleship comes by learning. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, Till I come, till I meet you again, give attendance to, watch this, reading, exhortation, into doctrine. What's the word? Doctrine. <laughs> what was that, guys? What's the word? Doctrine. Can we try that one more time? Doctrine. Thank God. I thought half of y'all were asleep. Pay attention now. Three simple things. Learning leads to teaching and teaching leads to learning. Wow, isn't that profound? It's true. This is the way Paul said it in 2 Timothy further on in Scripture in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I, you've learned some things and then you teach some things. And then what you teach, they learn and they teach. And so on, so forth. That's part of discipleship. Discipleship comes by learning. And learning brings forth teaching. You have to learn some things before you can teach some things. I know that seems profound, but the reality is we are never ever to take liberty to teach that which we have not learned. Mm -hmm. Be very careful when you give scripture to somebody else if you don't understand the scripture you're giving. People are diving in the book of Daniel. Let me tell you about prophecy. Maybe you shouldn't tell them about prophecy. 
say the seven-headed beast represents A, B, C, and D, and E. Are you sure? Do you know what you're talking about? Let me make you very, very clear on this. Let me help you to have a clear understanding. When you are speaking into a disciple's life, you need to make sure before you teach them, there's some things you're learning and understanding. Jesus said it this way, if you are not learning his word and teaching it appropriately, it's like the blind leading the blind. And y'all are just falling in the ditch. It is too often that I see within the church people speaking as if they have authority on a portion of scripture and they have no idea what they're saying. I've seen people try to lead others to Jesus Christ and they didn't even know what they were talking about. They didn't even know what portion of Scripture to point that person to. That is a problem. How do you resolve the problem? How do you fix this? Well, this pattern works like this. Paul gives Timothy, his disciple, three elements by which to learn and to teach. Now watch. Reading, exhortation, and doctrine. Reading. Some theologians think that's the Scripture reading of the Old Testament and you're to publicly read. Timothy, you're to publicly read in the synagogue. I believe that Paul is saying to Timothy, you need to privately read before you publicly read. You need to have an understanding of God's word before you announce God's word. It's to be intimate. I got a problem with an individual that says they're making disciples, but they never read God's word on how to make disciples. It's part of the pattern. It's part of your learning. So, well, I've met some people that think they've arrived and they don't have any other, they have no room in their life to learn anymore when it comes to God's Word. That's so contrary to Scripture, we're ever learning. Even the greatest of theologians, like Spurgeon, has dived in the Word of God and discovered truths and treasures that he never knew was ever in there. Why? Because we're ever learning. God's book is so rich and so deep, it's there for you to dive deep. It's for you to discover things you never thought were ever available to discover. Reading. Exhortation, that's urging. Now watch this. If you don't believe in what you're saying, nobody else is going to believe in it. You ought to know God's Word and urge people to dive in God's Word. That is part of discipleship. If you tell your children they need to do the devotions, and you're not even doing devotions in your own life, then you probably shouldn't tell your children to do devotions. If you're trying to explain a portion of Scripture, but you've never studied that portion of Scripture when sitting down with your children, then you need to take some time and learn that portion of Scripture. Comparing Scripture to Scripture is very important. Often when I was a young preacher, I would take one passage of Scripture and dive right into it and try to preach it the way it was written. And that's very important. But I would forget what took place seven verses prior to that or two chapters prior to that and the three chapters following that. Because it all comes together and it makes sense when you put all the pieces together. It's part of the pattern. We need to understand God's word before we take the step to teach God's word. Discipleship comes by learning. Which brings me to this third part. This is the doctrine. This is the teaching. Doctrine means teaching. You need to understand what you're teaching. And you're going to urge people to dive in God's word. But you're going to make sure you know the doctrine. Now, this seems simplistic. But in 2 Timothy, Paul follows up with Timothy later on about what he's learned and what he's dived into and he's studied. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, he says this, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. He said, Don't stop. Continue in it. You're ever learning. And has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. 
You know, he said, I know even from a child you've known the scripture in verse 15, the Holy Scriptures. You are able to, and we know the scriptures may able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. And he says, but your scripture, what you've learned is powerful. And when you share that doctrine, when you teach others, this is what's going to happen. He said, listen, verse 16 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is God-breathed stuff. This isn't something we've come up with. And it's profitable for doctrine. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. That is the end game. That is what we're called to do. We are called to read, exhort, and dive into the doctrine so that in the end there's this, if you would, this coming together of the pattern that brings forth this beautiful garment of perfection. Does that mean your life is going to be perfect? No. But it means that your life is in a position that you can teach others also. Now watch, third part of the pattern. Discipleship comes by living. I love the way he puts this in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 15 and 16. Let me just paraphrase. He says, Practice these things. Emerge yourself in these things so that all may see your progress. Now watch this. He goes on to say it this way in verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teachings. What does that mean? Keep yourself in check. He said, man, if you, if you are to live out what you believe, you got to keep yourself in check. The idea of discipleship is to have transferred to your mindset and to your functioning the thought process of Jesus Christ. Wow, that seems profound. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus. How do we do that? How do we live a life in such a way that's living it like Jesus? That is so interesting because you think that you may have it all together and you are living like Jesus. What would Jesus do? Remember those wristbands? WWJD, what would Jesus do? That is the reality of a disciple. And to get to that point in your life is the final piece of the pattern that comes together and to make this beautiful life. Here's the thing. Paul said, if I'm going to live, then I'm going to live like Jesus. It's a necessity for me to live my life like Jesus Christ. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And then he says, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm going to, I'm going to illustrate the life of Jesus through the lifestyle I live every single day. There is a distinct difference between living an example and living a life. Living a lifestyle of Jesus Christ means it infiltrates everything in your life. You love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Everything that's in you is priority to serve Jesus Christ. If, if, if it's a living thing, the question is, how do we live out our lives as a disciple? And how do we teach others to live that life? How did Timothy do that? Because Paul said this to Timothy, one word, practice. Practice. Verse 15, he's literally saying, practice these things, emerge yourself in these things. Practice is just simply this, and we know what practice is, but let me just emphasize. It is repeating in order to get perfection. 
repeating in order to have this perfection. Remember, practice comes with mistakes. You're not going to be perfect, but you keep on, keep on, keep on, and keep keeping on. It is a necessity. Disciples, the whole concept of discipleship is living out uh, who we were designed to be, which is Christ's life. To be Christ-like. That's what a Christian is. We are to reflect Jesus throughout the decisions and actions that we make every single day. Let me say this. It's very important for you to understand. It's a continuous process. You'll do it until you die. It never stops. If you're persistent, you will get it. And if you're consistent, you'll keep it. But it takes practice. It's this constant, continuous process. So let me break this down very simply. Simply spoken. Discipleship comes by leading. Lead by example. Discipleship, the other pattern piece, is it comes by learning and discipleship comes by living. Now, in order for you to disciple somebody, you must first become a disciple yourself. The question is, are you ready to be a disciple? Are you a disciple? Are you ready to become the disciple God meant for you to be? If you're not a disciple, here's my challenge to you right now. Make a decision right now to put these pattern pieces together like Timothy gave, or excuse me, Paul gave to Timothy, and apply it to your life. If you are ready to take that step, or you are already there, and you say, I am a disciple, I am intentionally putting these pattern pieces together and living this life out. Then my next question is this, are you discipling somebody? Who's your disciple? Today we're talking about your disciple. And I believe that you have a disciple you may not have met just yet. But they're out there. It is your responsibility to invest in their life by leading, by learning and helping them learn. And you can do this by simply applying the pattern that God has given us and living it out. Now, I want you to do this for me. Just, just out of respect to those that are sitting next to you, would you bow your head for just a moment? Just for a word of prayer. And out of respect to the person next to you, you can just focus on yourself for just a minute, okay? I in no way, shape, form, or fashion got anything figured out. I'm learning every single day how to be better as a believer in Jesus Christ. I want to be a disciple. I want to be a disciple maker. I, I, I want to invest in people's life, not just as a... Um, not just as a friend, not just as a mentor, as a disciple maker. But I know that every one of these pieces of the pattern have to come together in order for this to work. Are you willing right now in your seat to apply the pattern? To cut it out, to put it together and make a disciple? If you're willing to do that and you haven't begun just yet to make disciples, but you're ready to, would you just simply say, Dave, that's me, by raising your hand and saying, I... I I really want to put this to action. I just, I'm not sure exactly how just yet, but I want, oh, I got a desire, a desire. Would you raise your hand with you? Would you? Thank you. Okay, good. That's a great start. I love that. That's a wonderful start. That's saying I'm willing. I'm willing. Now the next question is simply this. If you're willing to do it, are you willing to take it as far as just saying, hey, I not only am willing to do it, but I'm wanting to do it. I'm going to put that to action I'm going to put that the action starting today. Say, so how do I put that the action started today? You need to take these pattern pieces and understand them and apply them. Because you need to make sure you're the best disciple maker you can possibly be. Now watch this. When you apply the pattern and put it the action, there's something beautiful going to come out of it. I've seen my mom put together patterns and I'm thinking to myself, 
Mom, I never thought all this garbage you had laid all over the table would come out to be this. This is amazing. When I was a kid, I wanted to, it was part of martial arts, and my mom made this, this, this gi that was something that Chuck Norris would wear. And I'm like, Mom, you got to make this for me. She had it all over the table, and she's putting all these pieces together. And I said, no, it'll never look right. Just, it looks like a mess. And then she finished it, and I'm like, I am Chuck Norris. I, but the finished work comes by putting the pieces together. I'm asking you to do this. Please apply the pieces in your own life before you apply it to somebody else's. I believe you can do it. You already said, I'm willing. Now it's time to apply. Put it to action in your life.